Welcome to the panel discussion, Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC. Here is today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the program. Today our guests are Thomas Beach, the Chief Data Strategist and Portfolio Manager of Digital Service and Big Data at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. George Jacobson, the Chief Information Officer for the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Jeff Schilling, the Chief of IT Infrastructure Services at the National Cancer Institute. Majid Sadid, the Chief Technology Officer for GovPlace. And Bob Nicholson, the Business Development Manager for Dell Federal. Welcome, gentlemen, to the program. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. The last time the Office of Management and Budget calculated the out-of-date technology bill that's coming due for federal agencies, it stood at more than $7.5 billion. This includes hardware and software that is either out-of-date currently or will be out-of-date in the coming years. In the meantime, agency spending on legacy systems continues to hover just about 70% of their IT budget, while Development Modernization Enhancement, DME, efforts make about 23% of the IT budget. The other 8% is what they call for cloud, provisioned, or shared services. This is actually an improvement in, since 2014, when the O&M and, or Operations and Maintenance stood at around 74%, and cloud computing was below 5%. All of this spending on legacy systems means agencies have a tremendous opportunity not only to modernize their hardware and software, but also to optimize and use resources in a more dynamic way. And as budgets continue to tighten, optimization means more than just moving your current technology stack to the cloud. It means analyzing current mission workloads, breaking them into pieces, and optimizing them before you move them to the cloud. Along with budget, there are also other drivers for optimization and modernization. Big data analytics, how does that work to open the door to understanding how best to improve technology and services to the citizen? And finally, where are the emerging technologies such as software-defined networking, converged infrastructures, how do they fit into this discussion? We plan to answer those questions and many others during our panel today. So with that context in place, let's get the conversation started. Once again, my guests are Thomas Beach, the Chief Data Strategist and Portfolio Manager of the Digital Service and Big Data at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, George Jacobson, the Chief Information Officer for the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, Jeff Schilling, the Chief of IT and Infrastructure Services for the National Cancer Institute, Majid Sadid, Majid Sadid, the Chief Technology Officer for GovPlace, and Bob Nicholson, the Business Development Manager for Dell Federal. Let's just start at the beginning of the conversation. Optimization, modernization, it's a big buzzword. So I'm going to turn to Tom, because you guys, I know, have talked to your CIO several times over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Talk about your modernization efforts so far. So great, great, uh, great to be here today. Um, we're looking at modernization efforts for our two key drivers, which are patent and trademark core. So we're like a business. We're a fee-funded agency. So not only are we looking at next-gen tools for examination, uh, we're also looking at big data analytics to know if we're effectively and measurably being cost-efficient with the fees that we are collecting, as well as providing the best possible innovation to the user community, which would be the public. And the way we do that is driving down costs through having a big data program where we know exactly what it is we're doing, where we can optimize, and where we can leverage our internal knowledge in a way that's meaningful and useful to the public. So many ways what you're doing is you're taking the data that is you're getting from how citizens or businesses are using your services and then applying that back to the business. Absolutely. So we're doing performance management uh, through big data. We're also able to optimize our IT development. So we have data-driven performance and understanding when we deliver new next-gen technologies to our examiners because of the complexities of innovation in general, that they're able to do their jobs better. So an example would be leveraging machine learning and AI algorithms in our search engines. And so this is a brand new way of looking at knowledge management because what we're doing is we're extracting sophistication and in the institutional knowledge of our employees back into the system that can train our new employees, ultimately to leading to better quality products, which are patents and trademarks. That's fascinating. I know we'll probably try to do a little more on AI as we go along, but let's move to George Jacobson from TIGDA. Talk about your modernization, IT modernization, optimization efforts. Well, we've just uh, completed one of our modernization efforts. Uh, we've refreshed our entire uh, end-user environment. Uh, we're now focused on the next big uh, effort and that is uh, refreshing some of our infrastructure. So it's timely that we should have this conversation, particularly as it relates to cloud. I'm also interested in um, some of the quirks, I will put it, in the uh, procurement process that uh, has us purchasing IT equipment as opposed to leasing IT equipment and leasing white goods when as opposed to buying them. So I, that's, that's kind of a whole topic of conversation for another time. 
much like Tom was talking about, we try to use data analytics for, uh, to improve our product, our work product. And uh, for your audience, uh, we have a very complex relationship with the IRS. You've heard me say that several times, Jason. Um, on the one hand, it's all of the oversight that we have, so our audit reports, inspections and what have you, investigations of misbehavior. The flip side of that is we have a very collaborative effort in terms of the IRS scam, the impersonation scam, uh, the uh, threats that are made against IRS employees and what have you, highly collaborative. So a uh, very complicated relationship. One of the things I think that is, is fascinating about the opportunities that are before us is, as you were describing, being able to uh, use the information processing gambit, the whole schema, to our best advantage to find those places where um, our efforts can be best directed. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit more. All right. So interesting. Congratulations on just completing the end user upgrade. I think last time you were on my Ask the CIA show back, I think 2014 timeframe. I think you were probably just getting started or at the beginning stages of that. Well, yeah, that was uh, actually that was the last iteration, was the last and, I, and I thought that was going to be the last time we would we would do that. Um, never the last unfortunately, time. Unfortunately, yeah, it's never the last time. Unfortunately, uh, we did end up uh, replacing all of that hardware. But we're in a much better place now than we were before, and uh, our users are pretty happy with us. All right, we'll get into how you did it and make sure you, did, you optimize and then just modernize in a little bit. Let's turn to Jeff Schilling from the National Cancer Institute to talk, talk about your op IT optimization and modernization efforts. Uh, thank you for inviting me here. Um, we, we basically, uh, two years ago, did an analysis of where we were struggling, things we needed to improve, and um, we put in place um, a series of actions around really four main areas. One was the desktops, and we created a tech refresh program to uh, standardize the user experience with the, the goal of that being um, um, improving and, and optimizing the user's productivity. We upgraded the network that the National Cancer Institute is part of the National Institutes of Health, and there was a network modernization going on, and we piggybacked into that modernization. That's given us um, from one gigabit throughput to all the way to 10 and 40 gigabit, which uh, which allows us to do all kinds of uh, all kinds of new technology in terms of identity management, in terms of the storage locations. We also have. Uh, a large program to upgrade our storage facilities and integrating cloud into that. We generate a lot of data, uh, so it's the, the modernization is not just around our data capacity, but our uh, data metadata. The information we store around the information, uh, when we can get rid of it, most of it isn't a federal record, so we have to create our own guidance in terms of longevity. Uh, is it published, is it not published? And then really lastly, we started a a push to the cloud for some big scientific programs. Our um, our mission is it changes. It's a uh, you know to to su to support cancer researchers both locally and and through and through the granting process. And um, so so our mission isn't so it, it changes because that because research changes. And so we were able to take advantage of some new um, some new projects and create cloud efforts around that, namely the we, what we call the cloud pilots, where we put um, four or five petabytes of standardized uh, sequence data into the cloud and allowed re researchers to have compute associated with that storage. So instead of them moving that data around to their local compute facilities or into the cloud, creating many, many copies of it, we now have several copies of which they're able to get access to and compute on. So so those big four initiatives keeps, keep us very busy and learning how to optimize our operations in this, these new environments. The, the theme I heard through a lot of this is, is I think, is, is two things. Number one, cloud, of course, because I think that's just the, where the, the industry is going. It, it, but also this idea of making it easier for the scientists, for the researchers to access not just the data, but do their job. Uh, is, was that the kind of the end goal that you guys started with? How do, we, how do we make this easier? I mean, it's always about the mission, but Mission has multiple pieces for us, usually. For us, it's 100% our role to support them. Yeah. We, we are not the mission of the National Cancer Institute. Our mission is only support. And as such, we have to constantly look at 
what they need, when they need it, how much they need it, and it changes very often. So what they need yesterday is not what they're going to need tomorrow, and we have to stay stay on top of that. Hence why I think those cloud pilots, which maybe we'll get into a little bit. Let's turn to our industry representatives. Uh, Majid from GovPlace, talk a little bit about what you're seeing from your clients when, as it was in, react to a little bit what you heard from our, our government uh, panelists. Definitely. So we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, mention of cloud computing right now in a lot of uh, uh, the publications or the government uh, reach outs. And uh, cloud is becoming, I think, one of the tools that people are reaching out to um, as part of a big toolbox or what we call a spectrum of choices that you have to pick and choose from to optimize your workloads or to at least be able to manage the capacity and demand of your workloads. There's a lot of new use cases that are developing and arising in the federal government. Uh, shared services is becoming a real thing, I think. Uh, the intersection of a lot of the uh, different initiatives like cybersecurity, um, IoT uh, and cloud computing is creating the need for that optimization to happen. Uh, something else that I want to that I kind of picked on from the conversation that I heard earlier is uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about moving away from the manual optimization or basically taking the data, reading it, uh, looking at ways to optimize it into more of an artificial intelligence or a machine-driven optimization. The idea there is to create algorithms that are intelligent enough, smart enough to basically pick on the utilization and the trends of how researchers or data users uh, or even application users use that information and continuously optimize, dynamically optimize uh, the workloads. And that could happen in existing data centers or across uh, um, clouds uh, maybe even in a hybrid environment between a data center and a cloud. So that's a fascinating concept. Are you yeah. seeing that in the private sector, in the public sector, or is that just one of those ideas that's like, yes, that has great potential? Uh, so this has definitely been happening a lot in the private sector. Um, if you look at a lot of the large names in the private sector that cannot afford to basically uh, waste any type of resources and have a lot of real-time demand, that can rise up or fall down depending on certain trends, the Amazons, the Netflix of the world. Uh, they had a lot of time to basically develop these, uh, these algorithms and take them to market, even embed them within their own services. And we're seeing a lot of these trends kind of uh, becoming parts of products or part of services or even parts of initiatives that the federal government is starting to look at. So from the simple idea of just moving to a shared service where you can host a specific uh, um, service or application and supply it to multiple agencies or components of an agency, all the way to reaching down to the algorithm that specifically divides the workload and spreads it across. Fascinating. I'm sure everybody here could, could say, yeah, I could use one of those. But we'll, uh, I'm sure that will come up in our conversation. Let's talk to uh, Bob Nicholson from Dell Federal. Talk a little bit about your perspective, what you've heard so far, maybe what you also are seeing from your clients in the government. Well, oh, definitely. Thank you. So um, <clears throat> one of the things I think that we see most common is that it's a common issue, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so all of these use cases are all kind of wrapped around a conversation of how we get there. Uh, and so one of the things uh, with that Dell's acquisition of EMC that they went all in on was to put all of these technologies under one umbrella because we can do some of the legwork now in kind of piecing all of these components together. So we do a lot of work around developing reference architectures and things like that so you can already see how all the components are integrated together. Uh, and then our work forward right now is, is enabling and facilitating those conversations. And so we're working to have all those technologies under envelopes of digital transformation, IT transformation, workforce transformation, and security transformation, because those are the conversations that, that everyone needs to have. And we want to be able to come in, not just as an IT provider, but as a facilitator of those particular conversations. And, and what I'm hearing just from when I talk to people, for instance, at the General Services Administration, which obviously plays, uh, I'll use the term middleman, but not in a negative way, uh, what they're saying is what, what agencies want is, is the entire solution. I think you're seeing that in some of their Alliant 2 and some of their Oasis. Are you finding that same thing? The agencies just aren't buying or wanting to buy, hey, this one, one widget, but we want the entire widget pieces and parts that go with it? Well, we're, we're seeing the desire 
but kind of to George's earlier point, exactly how how do we get there? What do the what do those procurement vehicles look like? How do we move into that consumption model basis uh, and, and do what you know uh, other organizations have tried to do, and that is you know kind of put things in a clin that say this is what we get as a business outcome. Um, but it's you know there's a lot of stakeholders that need to be at the table in order to find out exactly what that looks like, and I think that's the difficulty right now is finding out exactly who needs a say, and then how does that translate into a, a procurement vehicle and the right price. To be quite honest, George, I think one of the challenges that we have is, um, and you heard uh, the three government practitioners mention this earlier. So you have someone whose ultimate goal is to put the information they have out there for the public's consumption. On the other extreme, you have two of us who are saying from a law enforcement perspective or from a personal uh, privacy and research perspective, we don't necessarily want that data out there because it's an intrusion in privacy and it may lead people to draw false conclusions because they don't have the, all, the ability to look at the entire picture. And I think this is one of the challenges that we have as an organization, whether we're dealing with the, as a comparison to the private sector or dealing uh, in the procurement cycle, is to get very clear definitions around that and what it is we want uh, and how you go about doing that. And, it, and it's, the challenge for the government is, is that it is so broad, right. again, back to the census information, which we want to push out there as, as a government agency, to the other extreme where, and then you get into the intel and the DOD communities, and you know that's an entirely different world unto itself. So you've got to understand, you know, what's your audience, what is the nature of your data, how sensitive is that, and then you can start to have some of these other constructs put in place. Unfortunately, to try and do something like that on a line item, makes it either incredibly, it's starting to look like the tax code in, in terms of, of how complex it is, or uh, you leave it so wide open that trying to put SLAs in place and trying to put agreements in place that don't leave these gaping holes uh, as to make it impractical. So I, I think these are part of the challenges that we're wrestling with. And let's be honest about this. This is, this is relatively new territory for us all. Uh, on the one hand, people have heard me say, you've heard me say, Jason, uh, you know, this is time-sharing. For those of us who have been around long enough, this is time-sharing revisited. We rebranded. ASP's alternative <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. service pro all, provider. <laughs> all of that uh, sort of stuff is coming back around. And so the pendulum uh, swung from one side to the, to the other. Um, you know, maybe our children and our grandchildren will be around to see the pendulum swing back in the other direction. But I, I think I gave Tom a little heartburn when I mentioned ASPs. Uh, George, that was a great point. Let's make take a quick break. We come back. We want to talk about this idea of, of moving as we move to the cloud as agencies optimize. Because I think uh, the, the point that was made earlier is is the solutions point in some decisions we made between public, private, hybrid, cloud, and, and the piece. You're listening to the panel discussion, Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Your department is in desperate need of IT infrastructure expansion, but your budget disagrees. Maybe there's still a solution. GovPlace, in strategic partnership with Dell EMC, has a team of certified experts ready to deploy a custom solution within your budget to meet all of your IT needs. Cloud, cybersecurity, IT automation. GovPlace combines the California culture of innovation with a Beltway reputation. It's different here. Let GovPlace work for you. Online at govplace.com. Welcome back to the panel discussion. Government's IT modernization imperative sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your moderator, Jason Miller. My guests today are Thomas Beach, the Chief Data Strategist and Portfolio Manager of the Digital Service and Big Data at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. George Jacobson, the Chief Information Officer at the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Jeff Schilling, the Chief of IT and Infrastructure Services at the National Cancer Institute. Majid Saadi, the Chief Technology Officer for GovPlace, and Bob Nicholson, the Business Development Manager for Dell Federal. Now, before break, we got into the cloud discussion a little bit. We talked a little bit about, I enjoyed the, between Bob and George, you guys were kind of talking a little bit about, it's, it's, it's a multiple pieces that, that build into what decision you make and, and how you do it. But I think another piece of this I'd like to explore a little bit is, this idea is not just taking what you do today and moving it into the cloud. I think we've seen that with email to a certain extent. We've seen that with some collaboration software. And that's what, what I've been told many times is the low-hanging fruit. 
So how do we get, once we move out of the low-hanging fruit area, how do we get to the more complexity and really look at that optimization piece? So let me start with Tom from PTO. Uh, thanks. It's a great question. So um, we're very proud that uh, we've had delivery of our two uh, major applications for patent examiners and trademark examiners. Our CIO and collaborations with our patents and trademarks uh, organization have uh, had a Herculean lift to get us to a point where we have to begin delivery of our next-gen tools. And where I see that mattering is, uh, what was mentioned earlier again about artificial intelligence, we look at what we do as cognitive assistance. And so we would take an application like patent examination, searching, um, and be able to analyze it and optimize it using and leveraging machine learning technologies only to feed that back into the system because we're not looking to ever replace the examiner. We're always looking to improve the areas for which they have a limited time and resources to make a decision, right? So if th we have to search the world for every published document, how are you possibly going to be able to do that in a limited amount of time? So we look at leveraging these tools as optimizations, but clearly they're feedback loop mechanisms for which we extract the knowledge management from our users, learn how to optimize with delivery uh, the delivery of next-gen tools, now provides a platform for us to measure and have meaningful results come from it. So this is where the ecosystem starts to begin, and this is why we're doubling down on big data, and we're really looking at a way to say, not only do we deliver it, but we're also looking at a consistent feedback mechanism that's driven by our most important user, which is our end user, our examiner. So give, me, give me just if you, something comes to mind, an example sure. of where this happened, where examiners are doing something you saw through the knowledge management capture and then you made a change. Anything uh, come to mind offhand? Uh, yeah, so uh, on the searching side, what we learned was is that the examiners will use certain types of references more often than not. So what we're able to do is capture their use of their work product without making them go, oh, what was the reference I used or the document I used two months ago? I looked at a case similar to this. What it's able to do is able to capture their most sort of favored nations, if you will, of documents and references and always sort of bubble that back up to them and say, oh, in this case, look at... Uh, this application, it has more like this kind of functionality, that's what we're trying to leverage out of Solar Lucene, as well as the ability to have recommendation engines, which are built on the knowledge of the other examiners. So it's great for new examiners, but it's also great for seasoned examiners because they're now starting from the 50-yard line as opposed to starting from the first yard line on this. I know my own search habits, I go to the same, Google's nice to tell me, oh, you've visited this page three times since this date, mm -hmm. and um, I go, oh, because I've been, I was writing a story on something. Give me another sense, uh, Jeff or George, jump in here for a second, uh, either of you. Are you guys doing the same thing in terms of as you're looking at the, the services you're doing or providing, or you're, in George's case, auditors are using, how are you insur ensuring you're optimizing them? Let's start with George. Yeah, uh, we've had a, uh, a data analytics program in place um, probably going on eight years now. Uh, perhaps not as sophisticated in terms of some of the work that's that's being done at PTO, mm -hmm. uh, but nonetheless it is that uh, force multiplier, if you please, as IT in general is, but uh, it's that ability to have an investigator or uh, an auditor be able to drill down into into some subject matter and say, well, I want to see how this flowed out of these actions. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's very helpful, but in terms of the AI or the cognitive recognition, which I really like that phrase, that's very good. Can I borrow that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. It's not trademarked, though. Okay, all right. All right. Um, I really like that concept, and uh, how does that change as the service provider? How does that change what I have to be able to provide to my uh, constituency in order for them to take advantage of that? And how does that shift over time? So that comes into your optimization and not just the forklift right. to uh, more of the same, bigger, faster. It's not always the same. And I imagine to a certain extent, auditors and investigators have a sort of a routine where certain, you know, they do the same thing every year to a certain extent, not not every... Yeah, there are certain, obviously, there are certain legislatively mandated audits that we have to do and inspections that we have to do, but the investigative area can take you almost That's anywhere. Right. And I think the danger that you have so often when you get those kinds of recommendations is you get in your own echo chamber, mm -hmm. and then you're never really advancing the, the, the science, if you please, of, of the particular uh, element that you're looking for, that, that it, whether it's an investigation, whether it's a, a patent, or uh, a, a new area of research, is that, man, I never would have gone down that path had it not been for that, that aha moment. Yeah. Well, how do you get to that aha moment if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again? 
the uh, the example that I like to use, and the, the the agents all laugh at me when I use it, but it's, you know, it, we've all had the experience. Sometime you walk into the kitchen and the bugs are on the floor. And as soon as you turn the lights on, well, they go into the woodwork. Well, if they know where the light is going to be, they know where to hide in the woodwork. How do you change it up so that they those hiding places go away? No wonder the auditors laugh at you when you do that. Yeah, no looks bugs. Majid, talk a little bit about what you're hearing. So, so very interesting discussion here, and I actually want to step back a little bit and talk a about optimization for a second here, and uh, maybe it would help the audience a lot if we kind of define what we mean by optimization. Yeah, please do. I mean, in my mind, optimization is enabling any environment to basically make more use of its existing resources, potentially, I mean, when we start talking about cloud computing, even potential resources, that, that resources that you can expand into while minimizing the risk of reducing performance. So in a nutshell, we want to give you the best experience we can and save as much money and power in uh, utilizing everything on all the resources that we've invested in so that we don't have to buy more and more and more. So if you take that and, and keep that in mind, it's important to uh, understand that you will not be able to optimize unless you have some sort of a baseline. So understanding the mission that you support, understanding the workloads that support that mission, and being able to go to a certain point in time where you realize how much these applications or these workloads are using. Uh, more importantly, and we see a lot of examples in that in the federal government, understanding the dependencies of these work, uh, workloads. Uh, without that type of data, without collecting that data for an um, enough period of time, uh, any type of effort for uh, introducing optimization uh, becomes uh, reactive rather than proactive. And your ability of using some of the technologies that we talked about earlier that use artificial intelligence or machine learning or algorithms to kind of help you optimize, um, I wouldn't say it would disappear completely, but it would diminish, diminish a little bit. Um, so again, baselining, understanding what a workload is, how long, uh, the workload would run and uh, what type of resources it use so you can use that information to at least ensure that performance will not degrade while you're trying to optimize. And, and Bob wants to jump in before he does real quick, Masha. One thing about that is a lot of organizations, federal agencies, private sector organizations, doesn't matter, they don't, uh, my, my experience has told me they don't do that or they don't do it very well. Do, am I wrong? Tell Correct. me wrong. I mean, uh, no, 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 tell me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, is, it is true, and the problem there is uh, most of the time it's a, it's a clash of tools or processes or a clash of different uh, entities within an organization trying to baseline or at least capture the data. Uh, the biggest problem that we see is typically there is a lot of data. Data is being collected, but nothing is being done with it. So it's kind of a read-only mode. Uh, and, and that's a shift that needs to happen. It's, it's kind of an evolution like we're uh, talking about in, in the break. It's an evolution that will take time. Uh, taking that data, trying to decipher it, trying to figure out how to communicate uh, decision making across all of these different components within an agency. Bob, you want to jump in? Well, yeah, and just just to the point. I mean, there's so there's a couple aspects of this, right? A couple stages, and so you know how we're how we're looking at this is that first of all, you need to modernize, right? I mean, you need to leverage the latest and greatest technology. Uh, everything's becoming software defined, um, and with that attribute, you know, then you can automate. You know, and so you know, kind of the, the point that was made earlier, where can we look to automate? That starts to build in your optimization um, before you can ever transform. Right, and so the transformation is the hardest part. And so I think the common theme that you hear, uh, and kind of a, a, you know something that, that you had mentioned as well, is how do you take some of that automation maybe uh, and get that feedback loop? You know, all the examples that were given here, there's there's an example of being able to take that information and continue to evangelize it and kind of get those cultures involved. Right. So once you start making some of those you know modernization efforts and then uh, having some automation within that sharing that information across all of your stakeholders, that's where that innovation will come to enable that transformation. And I think by getting the people who are doing the work involved, that they're going to make suggestions, which then someone like Jeff, you can go, yes, I can do that, or hold on, that becomes more complicated. It enables the suit yeah. of I mean, for us, there's really two, two aspects that were brought up. One is a high level where you're, where you're, you're optimizing the user's experience into an existing infrastructure. And the other, what Majad mentioned, is the you're actually optimizing the infrastructure itself. Right. I mean, for us, we 
we look a lot, we have, we have a lot of data. It's not really around the infrastructure. It's around patients. It's around uh, clinical trial participants. And so uh, we have a, I mean, our, um, uh, I wouldn't call it artificial intelligence, but our, but our um, a thing that we're using machines a lot to, do, to analyze data based on a rule set is uh, called the NCI Match Program. It's basically a large clinical trial that takes patients who weren't responding to standard, uh, standard clinical treatments for their cancer, and it does a, a more detailed um, genetic analysis. It, it, it basically personalizes their cancer, puts them into a system, runs a bunch of rules against it, and says these are the options for your specific cancer. So in the, in the, in the treatment world, there's FDA-approved treatments, and then there's uh, clinical trials. And so you have to first generally go through the FDA-approved treatments and then go through the clinical trials. So this match program, basically, it's a giant uh, machine that tells them which clinical trial they should be on. And this clinical trial, specifically, will give them that treatment. So um, those rules are constantly evolving. Uh, Infrastructure-wise, I think it wasn't necessarily really deep in terms of how it runs. It runs in the cloud. I think the thing that was really fascinating about it was how it was using these private tools. So vendors were developing sequencing machines, machines that were generating very specific types of data. We had to work with them. We have to align them towards the FDA rules. We have to make sure everything is secure, transmitted correctly, validated. Um, so I, I think there's a, a both a baseline of optimization that you could do for your infrastructure as well as the next level. And I think that next level is important because it allows your users, the people who really authorize your budget, to understand how powerful autom autom automation is. Instead of just saying, can I just get a computer to do this? It's like, well, that's, that's a, a very difficult thing to do sometimes because what you're asking us to do is very difficult. It's an interesting point about the, the, the two different types of optimizations. Maja, talk a little bit about, are you seeing agencies more on the user experience optimization or more on the infrastructure optimization or both? So uh, definitely both, and it's really driven by the, the type of entity that's um, starting the, the optimization initiative. So we see a lot of application development groups or uh, the people that are more concerned about the top layer of the stack uh, concerned with the user ex experience or the performance of the application itself. And uh, we see a lot of the infrastructure teams basically concerned with optimizing the utilization of the infrastructure. Uh, we're starting to see some examples um, um, where both are basically collaborating together. And it's uh, mainly because for the longest time, the two teams would point the finger at each other and say, it's not my problem, it's yours, it's not the performance of my code, my code is, is good, Perfect. it's your infrastructure, <laughs> or the other way around, infrastructure is fine, everything is working, and it's the code that's breaking everything. So tooling and automation right now enables you to basically take a look at uh, the entire picture end to end and really focus on the user experience. Why is the user experiencing some performance degradation? And allowing those teams to basically share these types of tools, or at least the data coming out of these tools, makes this problem kind of disappear. Uh, I've, I've seen environments where actually developers fall in love with this idea because they don't have to fight um, among each other or with the infrastructure team and uh, convince them that their code is right. It's so easy to basically pinpoint the problem and say, okay, I'll take care of fixing the code or hey, we need just a little bit more bandwidth on this piece. Um, there's another example that I would mention, and it's actually maybe something that Jeff can talk about. I, I had an experience of uh, actually getting a little bit of information about the genomics work that NCI uh, was working on, and the idea of basically taking a data common of the genomics or the data information and placing it in the cloud or placing it in a, in a common area where all users can access it uh, is an amazing one and enables optimization of user experience across multiple workloads. I don't, I don't know if you can share a little bit more about it. Let me make you hold on for a sec because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump back into that. You teed it up perfectly for me. Thank you. No You're listening to the panel discussion, Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.
Your department is in desperate need of IT infrastructure expansion, but your budget disagrees. Maybe there's still a solution. GovPlace, in strategic partnership with Dell EMC, has a team of certified experts ready to deploy a custom solution within your budget to meet all of your IT needs. Cloud, cybersecurity, IT automation. GovPlace combines the California culture of innovation with the Beltway reputation. It's different here. Let GovPlace work for you. Online at govplace.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your moderator, Jason Miller. My guests today are Thomas Beach, the Chief Data Strategist and Portfolio Manager of the Digital Service and Big Data at the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, George Jacobson, the Chief Information Officer for the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, Jeff Schilling, the Chief of IT and Infrastructure Services at the National Cancer Institute, Majid Sadi the Chief Technology Officer for GovPlace, and Bob Nicholson, the Business Development Manager for Dell Federal. Before break, Jeff, you got teed up from Majid perfectly. He said, he said uh, there's, a, there's an, an effort on the way, take it away. So jump in about the uh, genomics and the cloud and how that all was fitting together. Sure, so basically um, we have the creation of new technologies, and in this case it's uh, generally sequencing technologies. So they're, they're sequencing human genome, and as that's being done, where do you store that? Where do you keep it? Where do you where should the government uh, should the government provide a place to do it? And so the National Cancer Institute created a, an, a project called the Genomic Cloud, and um, the sorry data the Genomic Data Commons, and uh, that's contracted out to University of Chicago, and they're fantastic uh, computer scientists. They created um, uh, a way to accept data. They um, store that data, they document it for future use, and then they, they manage it um, uh, till, for its whole lifetime. The other thing that's, that's going on, uh, they're moving their uh, on-prem to, to, to the cloud providers, and then they're merging that data with the cloud pilots, which is basically standardized data sets that were generated on uh, um, uh, hundreds of tumors, and that uh, are, are used as a reference. So now scientists can put their data in the, the genomic data commons, and they have a computing place so they can log in, do their computations, and run it against standardized data sets so without moving any data around. Uh, so it can happen very quickly. They can do lots of one-off type uh, thought experiments where a lot of times that's hindered because it takes two weeks to get anything running and functioning. So I, I think it's a real um, um, logical way to approach cloud computing is to say, what do we have a problem with? What resources do we have available to solve that problem? Can we use some of these new resources? And then for that specific issue and for that specific project, we can utilize cloud resources to uh, solve the problem. And I think that's that's one of the things we're going to get to this next topic is that do you just do lock, stock, and barrel type switchover, or do you really pick and choose projects to move, test the waters, learn how all this functions, learn how to optimize it, how to use these resources? And um, I think for us, it's it's been a big eye opener because it we know we need very very specific talent to be able to pull this off there's a, there's a lot to know and very very few people who know it and it's a great example of really uh, optimization of the service that you're providing because right. you're saying it's not just oh well we have this problem let's write a web service and people can pull but but let's create this new approach new way of doing business i mean is is that what you guys turn to thomas or or george maybe are you guys also looking at that idea of of a new approach to business and in the cloud where does the cloud fit in tom absolutely um so in our our, our mandate that's constitutional, uh, the Progress Clause, of, of for which you disseminate or disclose information, you're granted a patent or trademark. So we've been in the data dissemination business since the inception of this country. However, what we haven't done well is made it accessible, ready to use, and easily understood. So we tend to disseminate in image format, which is a very complicated process. One, I, either moving the documents or the large files um, 
back and forth. Um, so the other piece is that there's not the uh, raw data underneath that's really able to be analyzed. So we are now leveraging APIs. We're now looking at cloud environments. We're trying to solve this problem because there's a huge pent-up appetite for better understanding of what it is we do, how, how we make our products, and how we make quality products. And so for that to happen, the public has to have access to it. So we're looking at new ways and new opportunities to provide that data dissemination in a way that's, that's powerful, that meets the user's needs, but also at the same time, as uh, obviously we're all dealing with, we're confined with our three-year-old federal budgets from uh, <laughs> years ago. So um, we're always looking for that sort of unlocking the value um, while also really understanding the value of our data. So we've come to recognize, and I think one of the uh, things that was mentioned before, having a data strategy and actually knowing what your data means, actually what we did was take a step back and realize that our data is the leading indicator of R&D and innovation. So when we stood back and understood data by itself, I think I mentioned earlier sort of dark data since there does nothing, know the personality of your data, what does it mean? Because by itself it doesn't do anything. But understanding what it can be leveraged for allowed us new opportunities, such as working on the Vice President Cancer Moonshot last year, um, uh, disseminating a data set around patented technologies that have to do with cancer treatments, or better understanding what the user community needs. So optimization not only means um, critical path is our examiners, but also the user community, which is the world at large. George, you brought up an interesting point as well, is, is, is I think we kind of talked about this earlier, when Majid talked about this idea of the baseline, where you're starting from. But it's not just where you're starting from, it's where you want to go, the, the, if you will, the arc of the journey. Talk a little bit about how you guys are viewing that. Sure. Uh, so. You, first of all, you can't stop the business. You have to continue doing what you're doing. And uh, so often we get into the uh, conundrum where uh, we're doing the same thing over and over again. We talked about that earlier. So how do we force the conversation with the practitioner, with the subject matter experts, be they researchers, be they uh, patent and trademark attorneys, be they investigators and auditors, and say, what, what, what do you want it to look like? And trying, you know, asking the question, if you had a clean sheet of paper, is usually a pretty fruitless uh, endeavor because the first thing that you hear are crickets. Uh, but, but engaging in the conversation and saying, what are, the, what are the things you want to be able to do with the information that is available to you? And of course, it has to start there, back to data again. What data is available to us? I can create uh, an infrastructure based on today's construct that is far more uh, efficient, it's modernized, maybe it's optimized from the standpoint of being able to do what I'm doing today much more efficiently and effectively. But how does that get me to the next stage? Well, if I don't know what that next stage is, it's, it's back to you know any road will get you there. So it's really important to understand that if I want to, to use some sort of technology that relies on mass array, for example, as opposed to a more traditional client-server type of arrangement, I need to know that. And I need to know what that transition strategy, that's part of my job, our job, is to try and figure out what does that transition strategy look like? How do we move from where we are today to what that looks like? But I, if I don't know what that, what that vision is, and I don't need to have a perfect vision, I just need to have, help me set the, the compass rose so that we're all moving in the same direction. We can make minor adjustments along the way. I think that's frustrating sometimes for our partners because they look at us and say, well, why is this so hard? I just want it to be able to do this. Well, we would tell you, we're dealing with fast idiots. That's what computers are. They can say zero and one. They can do it incredibly fast. They can do it against huge volumes of data, uh, still small compared to what the human can process in, in nanoseconds. But nonetheless, that's all they're able to do. And unless you set up that software, unless you set up that, that storage, unless you set up that database in, in the proper uh, environment, it means nothing. So I think that's our biggest challenge, is trying to get our, our partners to think more in terms of not the technology, but that, that journey. Where is it, what would you like to be able to do if you had the ability and you had this data set, what would you be able to do with that? How, how might your role change? And then the conversation shifts. 
Bob, do you get that from your clients? Or are they saying, as you're going to see the, the uh, government agencies or private sector people, are they saying, are they asking that question the way George is putting it? Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's where I led off with this entire conversation, right? It's just that, you know, if we're expecting people to consume IT differently, we have to be in a position to sell it differently. Right, and so it is a conversation. It's a conversation because it takes time, and so there's a lot of things to figure out. Uh, and that's what I was alluding to earlier when, you know, that we've broken kind of our technology suites under, you know, those various pillars of transformation, right? And so if you want to transform how your workforce is operating, that's how we have to start the conversation. It's not, here's all of these IT offerings, and then do they fit? Right? And so we have to have the conversation there and then work back and say, well, now you've led into all of these uh, you know, options within the portfolio. Right? And Majid, another piece to this is George, what George was saying is you have to know where you're going, but you also have to know what happens if things maybe don't go the way you wanted them to go, what right? If it rains in the cloud. Well, yeah. If it rains in your cloud. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that, that idea of, of, of how do you ensure that flexibility. We, can, we don't want to get into the contracting talk per se, but, but there's sure. a flexibility that's got to be built in to how you do compute storage and, and, and all the other pieces and parts. Definitely. So, so we're starting to hear a lot of buzz around um, cloud exit strategy. We we've heard multiple examples of uh, uh, smaller migrations that took um, place and workloads that got migrated to the cloud, and all of a sudden there are some surprises in terms of uh, overcharging or uh, expectations that were not set for how um, the workload would be operating. Uh, what we're starting to see is a lot of language in RFPs and RFIs that call for at least mentioning a process for uh, um, determining a cloud exit strategy. And I say process because for the longest time there were a lot of technologies that enable you to do that. But that's changing a lot. Uh, the private sector has been um, able to get over that hurdle. And there's a lot of technologies that are starting to develop that you can actually utilize to do that real-time conversion uh, that allows you at a certain point to uh, decide to leave a specific environment. Uh, and that requires a lot of um, automation and translation that has to be built into these technologies. This is why um, I think it, they, were, they were kind of late. Uh, this is why there was a lot of talk about cloud computing, but there weren't a lot of um, these technologies available. Um, an example to mention is, is a technology called Rackware, which enables you to basically read uh, the native format of the cloud that you're migrating from or to and enables you to even roll back and take some of those workloads and put them back in your data center. And sometimes it's in between two data centers that the government might control or might be controlled by, by contractors. Um, at minimum, what I, what I would recommend to all of uh, our customers is consider how you want to be able to exit the cloud uh, put some language in there for the level of automation that you require or the level of conversion that you require so that you can extract your data out at minimum and preferably extract the entire workload and allow it to be portable into any cloud or at minimum to your data center. And you brought up recommendations, and we're just about out of time, so we're going to go through a quick lightning round of recommendations. Let me start with Tom Beach from uh, PTO. Uh, as you guys are doing the optimization, modernization, uh, if agencies, there's no agencies that, that are at zero and nobody's at 100, everyone's in the middle somewhere, but what are some of the lessons you've learned, best practices you've learned? So um, for us, we've learned to focus and know uh, your primary client's needs and how to align your data strategy to the mission of the agency. So we are to timely deliver quality patents and trademarks. So with that paradigm, we have to know that what we're trying to deliver are uh, next-gen uh, applications, but at the same time, we're trying to deliver the capability of analytics. And delivery of a capability is much different than actually delivering an application or a piece of software. So we look at open analytics and, o and opening ways where we're now inviting the business unit because there's nobody better than the patents division or the trademarks division that knows their business. And translating their business into IT needs is the most fundamental piece of the conversation that I think readily gets uh, misconstrued. We immediately jump to sort of the technical requirements and we fail to sort of remember what is the business requirement that we're really, really trying to solve. George? I think one of the key factors is knowing where your data is. Uh, there's a recent uh, case that is now causing some legislation to be brought forth um, as a result of a subpoena. The data was stored out Oconus, 
And so uh, the, the supplier said, oh, I don't have to provide it. The court basically agreed with them. So here was a whole slug of data that was missing that may have been material, may <coughs> not have been material. How do you know? So I think you have to make that determination as part of your SLA, make that uh, imperative. I need to know where the data is, back to Majid's point about being able to extract and, and pull it out and uh, destroy it if, if uh, it's determined that I no longer want to be part of this construct, I need to get that information back. I would say that's, that's probably the, the most important thing. Know where your data is. Jeff? For me, it's um, people, process, technology, and it's the people. You have to have a great workforce. You have to build that workforce up, reward them, make them know that they're the things that turn these fast, stupid machines into amazing solutions. And the other side is the staff you're, you're building these solutions for. They need training. They're, they're, they don't know all the things and we they know. They know the world of the possible. They, they do not, and they, they need to be, to be trained. Majid? Uh, so I would call again for um, all agencies to basically start baselining their, their workloads. Uh, if you're currently baselining the, uh, the data, then make more use of it, make, uh, make it enable it to uh, allow you to better uh, to make better decisions. And if you're not doing that, start doing it. Uh, whether you're looking to just optimize in-house or move to the cloud or even create a hybrid environment, baselining your data, baselining your utilization lines, and understanding the performance expectations uh, is extremely important. That should be step number one. All right, Bobby, get the last word. Sure. I mean, it, it is a journey. I mean, I think we've established that, right? And so there's going to be diff different stages to it. Uh, and so, um, you know, all of the information, keep that feedback loop going, uh, continue the conversation, you know, going forward, um, and just dedicate everything to open standards, no proprietary, you know, because it's going to be building blocks that you need, you need a modular capacity. So. Very good. All great advice. And I'd like to thank our guests for our, their, their efforts and their thoughts today. That's all the time we have. Uh, Thomas Beach, the Chief Data Strategist and Portfolio Manager of the Digital Service and Big Data at the U.S. Patent Trademark Office. George Jacobson, the Chief Information Officer for the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Jeff Schilling, the Chief of IT and Infrastructure Services at the National Cancer Institute. Majid Sadi, the Chief Technology Officer for GovPlace. And Bob Nicholson, the Business Development Manager for Dell Federal, were our guests today. I'd like to thank them for their, their time and participating in the panel discussion. Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search GovPlace. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion, Government's IT Modernization Imperative, sponsored by GovPlace and Dell EMC on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search GovPlace.